You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Jeremy Turner. He is the founder and managing director of Epic Mission. Jeremy, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks a bunch. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about Epic Mission and what you um, do with the organizations you serve, and then maybe share a little bit about what you've been up to lately that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate that as a, as a starting point. So <clears throat> Epic Mission is all about building and restoring thriving, resilient, and hope-filled communities across Appalachia and beyond. Our mission is to engage encourage and empower entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and small businesses to be the change we wish to see in the world. And because we, we have this vision of a future where these heroes of change, as we call them, the entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and small businesses, these heroes of change are fully equipped to move more confidently in, in the direction of their dreams. So in a nutshell, we are a coaching and consulting firm uh, that offers uh, holistic, practical, affordable solutions for entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and small businesses of all sizes. Everything from the, I have an idea or God has called me to do something phase, how do we get started, to firms that have been around for decades that are looking for some additional help as they craft the next chapter or, or several chapters of their journey. Uh, we we're founded in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2013 as I was living there. And in 2016, really felt like God was calling me home to come back to West Virginia, uh, to my hometown of Huntington, West Virginia, to serve more uh, more intentionally in this area. And so uh, we moved back in 2016, and, and it's been amazing. It's truly been amazing. That's awesome. So you guys are working not only in the nonprofit space, but in the for-profit space as well. Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, everything from you know, maybe traditional small business to social enterprise, uh, and social enterprise uh, spans both for-profit and non-profit, which, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, some folks may not may not realize that that you know they're nonprofits that can operate operate with this, this social enterprise concept of doing good in the world, making the world a better place, while I also uh, simultaneously focus on uh, generating revenue through some sort of earned revenue model, you know, selling a product or selling a service. Gotcha. <clears throat> so making mm-hmm. sure that. Are, are you? Is it a requirement that a an organization has like some type of social good or purpose driven um, element to their organization or company before you'll work with them, or do you help them think about and craft that? Like, say it's a a for profit company that has um, no social good uh, element to how they function. Is part of what you do coming alongside them and saying, "Hey, let's let's implement this within the organization," or do they usually have that established before they come to you? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's actually, it's both. You know, I don't I don't have a firm requirement of um, you know organization has to look or sound a certain way before we'll work with them, but I do have to feel what they're about. 
for me, you know, this work is, is very personal and, and it's part of me living out, um, you know, my mission on earth. It's a ministry for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, working with, with an organization that is doing something illegal, immoral, or unethical, uh, those are my filters. If it's, if you're doing any one of those, then right. I'm out. <clears throat> so, however, you know, if an organization is seeking to grow and consider uh, perhaps a traditional for-profit entity that's looking to uh, grow the social good piece and, and become more either formally a social enterprise or more like a social enterprise, then that's great. If it's a nonprofit that is seeking to diversify how they how they generate revenue by adding a, some sort of fee-for-service or fee-for-product model, then great, we can do that as well. Uh, it's it's really, a, I just, um, I, I like interesting projects and, um, you know, for myself and my team. And uh, I just, I, I want to work with good human beings who are open to, uh, you know, growth and, and development and really ultimately making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, one of the things you mentioned offline um, is that you help organizations think about and strategize uh, around starting with their why and that purpose. You touched mm. on the on that already, but this idea, mm. <clears throat> uh, as we discussed offline, is rooted in Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Can you explain how you've taken the ideas in that book and implemented them into uh, maybe your consulting practices and with the ministries and nonprofit organizations that you serve. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've been a I've been a fan of of Senec for for some time. And what I found was when I um you know really first stumbled across his work was that this is how I'd been conducting myself anyway uh, with previous companies I owned and and even with my own self. I found that I was struggling to get beyond the the typical elevator speech of here's what I do <clears throat> and. Uh, I, I knew that there was something deeper, and even as, as he states it in his work, he sort of catalyzed these concepts uh, and gave us words to use in, in describing what it is that that he that he had found. And so, you know, first this really began with with me doing a, a deep dive and examination of of who I am as a human being and what it is that that I do personally and what what uh, we will do through Ethic Mission. And I shared our why already. Uh, was, when you asked me to to talk a little bit about Ethic Mission, I started with why. Um, because for me to do otherwise, I think would make me a hypocrite and, and, uh, you know, I'm striving not to do that here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, finding our own why, um, what I find is that, um, organizations, we, we go right to the, what do you do piece? And if you think about it, when you meet people, uh, uh, in a social setting, one of the very early questions is what do you do? Not why do you do what you do or how might you seek to accomplish your big vision for changing the world, but what do you do? And so, you know, that is so very linear and so transactional that, um, you know, we've got to get past that. And so I describe why as, as twofold. It, it's both a focal point uh, that allows an organization to keep their programs and services and stakeholders properly aligned uh, towards a defined and, and sort of unifying vision. And it's also a filter and it's your primary filter through which you run new ideas or potential partnerships uh, to see, are you a proper fit for one another? Because again, you know, referring back to Cynic's work, he talks about, you know, wanting to do business with people who believe as you believe. So, you know, as a, as a ministry perhaps seeks to engage a, um, a potential strategic partner in the community, I think it's, it's crucial that each organization understand not just what they're doing, but why they do it so that they can see, do they, in fact, have common ground that is, um, 
you know, complementary upon which they can move forward. You know, if if they're considering a new program, a new new potential outreach program, determine whether that is in alignment with their why. If not, it doesn't mean that it's a bad program, um, but something has to change or else there's uh, misalignment once again. And, and this is a cause for a lot of inefficiency within organizations um, because they, without this, this focal point, this really strong and well-understood why that permeates all levels of an organization, um, there's less impact because organizations are floating all over the place trying to do many things and serve many people by offering many programs and many services. And an example I use is that it has to do with focus is if I have a bucket of water and I splash it on the wall, it makes the wall wet. Uh, the wall will dry. Someone might get mad because I made, I made a puddle, but uh, the wall will dry and, and every, everything's fine. Everything goes back to exactly as it was before. No fun, fundamental changes occurred. However, if I take that same water, same chemical composition, same amount, and I focus it, I can cut through steel and brick and concrete and create some really permanent lasting change. And it's simply by getting focused. And so having a strong understanding of, of why, in my opinion, is crucial to uh, implementing and sustaining deep impact. Because um, otherwise you are a mile wide and an inch deep. And this is something I see quite often with uh, organizations of all sizes and, and on both sides of the, of the profit line, for-profit, non-profit alike. Right. Yeah, we encourage organizations on the same idea, uh, but one of the one of the things that I think maybe we run into within the ministry space specifically is that all ministries, if they are a Christian based organization, have a common purpose and a why, and that is the gospel, right? So, I think mm-hmm. Simon Sinek is primarily speaking to the commercial world. He's speaking to companies who are maybe selling services mm-hmm. and products that don't have a social good or charity charity element to them. And so for them, it's important for those organizations to find that deeper purpose. Like Patagonia's deeper purpose is to, um, I can't remember what their purpose statement is, but something along the lines mm-hmm. of we exist to uh, save the planet. So mm-hmm. they're selling clothing articles, but they're, they have a much bigger purpose than just selling product. Or we sell cell phones or we sell computers when we're talking about organizations who have uh, a similar goal within the nonprofit space of our end goal is the gospel um, or have a, or have like a, a religious orientation. They have a, they have that social good element at their core already. Mm-hmm. And so one, I think that that creates a lot of success, even though they maybe aren't as, fo- like you said, as focused as maybe they should be that it, because there's already a social good element, there's already uh, like purpose interwoven and, and um, at the core of what they are as an organization anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's purpose behind their work, regardless of what they say in their communication. Um, so how can we encourage organizations to differentiate with their communication if they generally share an end goal or, or have a purpose or a why intrinsically interwoven within that core, that, that within the Christian ministry space being the gospel? Does mm-hmm. that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, th- this again, this is something that I see quite a lot. Um, you know, it, it's not by my purposeful design, 
Um, but many, if not most of the organizations I work with um, are either Christian ministries or uh, they're for-profit entities that are run by and, and staffed by Christians. Mm-hmm. And so this is something I, I see quite a lot. As a ministry, I would challenge, is it not a basic expectation to serve God and share the gospel? Right? Mm-hmm. Is that not a, a basic expectation? Right? Uh, you know, again, to reference back to, to Seneca, it says, um, um, you know, a, a business— of course, making a you know, making a profit is not your why. That right. you have to make a profit, or else you're not a business; you're a hobby. And so, as a ministry, if you're not serving God and sharing the gospel, you're you're not a ministry. So that's that's just the uh, the the price of admission. That's just <laughs> you know, a really given. To, to say, yeah, yeah, it's an absolute given. And so the why why piece, you know, serving God and sharing the gospel. These are some super wide parameters within which to operate. Right. Right. Um, and so what the why concept is intended to do, in my opinion, is to go way deeper than that and, and work towards determining a much more um, focused and the, the actual more specific purpose for an entity within these broader parameters. You know, what is the legacy that an organization seeks to leave behind? Mm-hmm. What is their purpose for forming in, in the first place? Because if it's simply to serve God and share the gospel, there are lots of organizations and lots of individuals that do that, that already. That in itself is not remarkable. That's already being done in, in some fashion. Right. So the ministry needs to determine why they, because, you know, so, so you know, I meet people all the time that, that have uh, an, an idea or they feel like God has called them to do something. And I say, well, why? Why you? Um, what exactly? You know, you say you're going to work in in the homeless space or in human trafficking or, um, you know, clean water or whatever. Pick pick a social cause. And there are already oodles of people already doing that. So why you? How are you different? How are mm-hmm. you remarkable? What What makes you... Um, you know, makes your mission special. And this is where the why piece comes in because it helps to communicate that. You know, so, you know, back to a, uh, an example with, with my firm, um, I could say, well, you know, I'm here to work with, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and nonprofits and help grow their businesses. And I want to turn a profit and I want to be a market leader, blah, blah, blah. That, that really means nothing. Right. It's, su- it's such generic phrasing. It has no real um, depth to it. However, when I say, we are all about partnering with others to build and restore thriving, resilient, hope-filled communities. Now, and this, this comes from not, not my own mind, but from feedback as I've shared this, this why statement through time, some people get this and they say, yes, that, that I am absolutely on board with that. Um, you know, I want to be a client or I'd like to be a partner or I just, I just like what you do. Others, nah, you know, that's not really my thing. And that's okay. We aren't trying to engage everyone, right? Because when you focus when you focus on everyone, or when you focus on everything, you focus on nothing, right? And so, why helps to give f- additional focus on what you do, why you do it, uh, for whom you do it, with whom you seek to do it, like that. So it takes these really broad parameters and narrows down, create um, a more specific focus. Yeah. So within that nonprofit space and the, and the ministry space. <laughs> particularly Christian and faith-based organizations, 
would you say that there is a, because there's already that common gospel umbrella purpose, <clears throat> that, that the why and maybe the how can, can be, uh, interwoven a little bit, like they, they maybe are more connected than, than say in the commercial space where there can be a, a much clearer separation between the why and the how? Um, I, I, I believe that the why, how, and what are all intrinsically linked and how I teach these things. So I use why, how, and what in strategic planning as a, as a, as a work with organizations, for-profit, non-profit alike. The why is this, this statement of impact and this very specific focal point um, that, that becomes a primary filter. Uh, the how is the mission statement. By stating what you will do, this is in, in um, my methodology is stating how you will seek to carry out your uh, grand uh, purpose on this earth. And then the vision statement is the what. It's the what the world uh, would look like as a result of you achieving these things. So the why, how, and what, this inside-out messaging concept, uh, all these pieces are intrinsically linked, um, in, in my belief, for-profit or non-profit alike. And so I can see where you're going with, with, you know, perhaps within the mission ministry space, um, you know, because it is, it, it's God that we're talking about. It's our creator um, that perhaps this would be more closely linked. Um, however, what I find is that uh, for-profit or non-profit alike, when this process is fully engaged and um, as entities determine what is their why, how, and what, there, there's already a naturally, natural linkage and, and flow um, th- that's inherent to these, uh, these concepts already. Mm-hmm. So what does your process look like when you walk an organization through a communication and messaging discovery process or execution process look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of uh, teaching on the front end because I believe that, um, you know, the, the, the way that we approach this is, uh, I don't say it's unique because unique is, is, um, entirely overused. It's different than what most organizations we encounter have ever encountered previously. So, you know, there's a lot of teaching on the front end of, um, you know, things that come from the, the best practice, the world of best practices from, uh, from innovation and entrepreneurship, um, you know, concepts of, of uh, demystifying failure and iteration and pivots. And, and so teaching some of this language so that organizations understand that, um, you know, what you have at this very moment is not necessarily what you're stuck with for the rest of your life. You know, there are natural uh, progressions that occur within messaging uh, within any facet of your organization. So we teach the, not just the what of, you know, do this, do that, but the how and the why behind things, because, you know, one of our our core uh, key objectives is to empower people uh, so that they're not beholden to a consultant uh, forever. So if we go and teach this process, if we teach not just here's what you do, but how you do it and why it's needed, uh, that's really the basis of everything we do, whether it's, um, you know, working on messaging campaigns or uh, strategic planning or fund development or whatever it is what we happen to do. So lots of education on the front end. And then the process itself is can be quite messy uh, because we're going way, be- way beneath surface level and we're challenging uh, what has oftentimes been um, you know, how these organizations or how these individuals have thought for some time. Mm-hmm. So we're saying, you know, no, that's, that's not enough. Go deeper. So, you know, you may have heard of the process of the five whys where someone says something, you say, okay, well, why? 
well, why? Well, why that? Why this? Why that? And you're digging deeper. Uh, this is the uh, a piece of our process of digging deeper and getting below the surface level. Um, we will have a whiteboard. Uh, we'll challenge. We'll throw a bunch of stuff up on a board and begin to look for patterns. Uh, and uh, we'll get a crack out of thesaurus. Uh, we'll have organizations do deep dives. Um, there needs to be some empathy gained for uh, the organization or the individuals the organization serves. There needs to be in some internal discussion because this, this messaging, uh, too often it comes only from the top executive or the top two or three executives in an organization. And yet they aren't the only ones that are involved in pushing out the messaging, sharing the messaging and embracing the messaging. So, you know, we seek to get more of a cross-functional team involved uh, as we work to develop messaging as well. So uh, there's education, there's discovery, there's mess, there's iteration. Uh, you know, we start with a blank slate or this, this chunk of wet, of wet clay on a wheel, and we, we work to teach um, you know, individuals and organizations how to mold this into something that is iterative and feedback-driven and empathetic in nature um, and, and teach this, this concept of ongoing refinement. Um, you know, so come up with, with a why statement and then go share it and see what people think. See how it feels. Mm. See how it flows as you share why, how, and what in order. Uh, does it feel right? Does it feel authentic? Uh, does it inspire, or does it feel like blah blah blah? Because if it's if it's not inspiring, then you're not there yet. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So speaking on that messy piece, especially for organizations that have been around for a long time and have a a way of communicating that they have always done it that way. Um, mm -hmm. I, th I think that's what we see a lot. Like, especially leadership will, they, they're accustomed to how they've communicated. They like how they've communicated, mm -hmm. even if it's not working, there's still this difficulty with change. There's this difficulty with uh, a new way of communicating the organization, partly because they're usually so close to their organization and they know it so well that when they communicate it, it just makes sense to them. But to an, to an audience, maybe for an organization that is complicated and, and takes quite a bit of education, uh, mm -hmm. we want to communicate in a way that is simple and, and efficient and gets our message across quickly. And uh, organization leaders sometimes can't um, can't get there because they, they understand mm -hmm. it. They are close to it. They uh, have been doing this for years. They've been in it for years and they, they know exactly what their organization does and how they do it and how they mm -hmm. go about that. But getting a donor on board is becomes difficult, but mm -hmm. making that transition and saying, Hey, uh, this, they know that their, their ways of communicating aren't working, but there's this, what we find is this pushback. Like, I, I don't want to make change to this because this is what I'm used to. This is how I'm used to doing things. This is what we've always done. Mm -hmm. So how do you speaking into that mess, uh, that messiness, how do you guys encourage organizations um, and uh, guide them through that process to realize that there is better ways of communicating and, and it, it's going to be maybe a little bit painful for leadership um, because it's going to be a different way of saying what they've said for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. So, um, the, what you're talking about is the confusion of habits versus wisdom, right? Because we've always done it, that in fact is the only way. Right. And, you know, so that's, that's actually not the case. And 
Yeah, so again, um, so I, uh, in addition to my work with Epic Mission, I also I teach entrepreneurship at Marshall University and in some uh, summer programming for high school kids and, and such. And so I, I pull a lot of the, uh, the, the teachings and, and best practices from entrepreneurship and innovation into the work with, with ministries, nonprofits, and for-profits alike. <clears throat> and so, you know, I seek to, to help them understand uh, disruption and um, innovation and, and um, breaking status quo. Uh, and one of the pieces that, that really plays in is empathy. Um, empathy is, you know, seeing the world through the eyes of others. And too often, I think that uh, organizational leaders, they get wrapped up in how they see the world. Uh, and so taking a break and, and gaining perspective and beginning to see the world through the eyes of uh, those they serve, those they serve with, you know, their, their um, internal stakeholders, external stakeholders, key partners, funders, and getting to, uh, a better understanding, a deeper understanding of what it is that others feel and, um, you know, the needs and wants of others, the pains they have. I think this, you know, this is something I found that can really help with the messaging piece, helping to get um, organizations to understand that there there are better ways. Uh, teaching that organizations that stagnate will die. Um, you know, uh, uh, organizations that that fail to innovate. You know, we we have examples um, in our in our current marketplace. Um, you know, Blockbuster Video is a great example of an organization that failed to innovate. They they thought that. Their way was the only way, and they're uh, unfortunately now they're uh, I think all all but gone from the landscape. I think there's one left in like Wisconsin or something. Mm. But um, you know that's an example of an organization that at the, at one point was at the very very top, and now they're not. And it's simply a matter that they they failed to innovate. And so if me- messaging is used to engage people, if it's leveraged to engage people, um, people being um, those that you seek to serve, uh, volunteers, uh, key, t- key team members, funders, strategic partners. If an organization can't cleanly and clearly and, and concisely communicate uh, why they do what they do, how they do it, for whom, and to what end, then how will others know whether this is a good fit or not? All right. And so you know, getting the messaging right is crucial. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the conversations we have with organizational leaders are um, they're they're not all that fun for the organizational leader because we're going to give some very honest feedback that comes not just from us from you know from my opinion but you know we'll seek to gather uh, input and feedback from those around you know through surveying and empathy interviewing and and things of that nature uh, you know where we seek to engage other people somehow related to the organization, these key stakeholders, and find out what, what do they think and what do they feel? And does the messaging really mean anything or not? Or is it just blah, blah, blah? Yeah. So uh, yeah, that, I hope that, that answers your question and speaks to this, this habits versus wisdom piece and some of the things that we seek to bring in as we work with, with leaders. Well, and I, one of the things I th- that you touched on I, th- I think is really important, this idea of uh, crafting messaging that is not just – um, allows our leadership to communicate the organizations and, and what we do, how we do and why we do it. But especially once you get your organization, it grows beyond your immediate networks. You're getting, you're, you're going to want to create, um, 
brand advocates within your network mm-hmm. and people that are going to speak on the behalf of your organization and are going to be loyal to your organization. And maybe they, if, if you've got really difficult messaging and, and it takes a while to communicate what you do, how you do and why you do it, uh, that's going to make it difficult for your network to go talk about your organization and go share it with their friends and their networks and, and go, um, advocate on behalf of your brand. But if you can craft messaging in a way that is uh, easy and simple and clear for that audience and for the, those brand advocates to go share it with their networks, it's going to be in a, a lot easier process and you're going to be able to uh, make sure that the message about your organization is concise and it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and when you do that, the the potential for growth is so much greater than if if your messaging is convoluted and messy and uh confusing and you know if i say your mission or vision or purpose or whatever statement you want to call it if i say it and i don't immediately understand what you do and how you do it and why you do it then it's just going to be a, a much more difficult process and so mm-hmm. That's that's one of the things that we really encourage with organizations. Okay, let, let's let's think beyond your your immediate networks. Let's think beyond the people that already understand your organization. Um, if your goals are to continue to increase in impact, to in, continue to increase um, this the donor base and 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 support and partnership around your organization. Um, you're going to need help doing that. And and one of the most powerful mm-hmm. ways, uh, you can call it brand advocate, call it word of mouth, whatever you want, but <clears throat> we need to get our our support and partnership base advocating on behalf of our organizations. Mm-hmm. And if, if they don't know how to clearly do that because you haven't done a good job clearly messaging your organization, it's not going to be nearly as successful as – if it was a clear message and, and there was a clearly defined why and how and what to, um, what you're doing. And so the importance of this, I think, uh, really becomes evident when, when organizations say, okay, we really want to grow beyond this network that we've built over the last five mm-hmm. years. We want to double or triple it in size over the next, the next five years. Um, well, okay. That's a, that's great, but you're going to need help and you're going to need your current network to advocate for you and, and be your brand advocates. And so we, we've got to set up ways of communicating that allow us to do that in a, a more efficient and effective way. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, um, you've got to turn some of these messes into messages. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, one of my favorite quotes by Simon Sinek is there are only two ways to influence human behavior, manipulation and inspiration. Uh, Scott Harrison, who's the CEO of Charity Water, uh, said that when he set out to build Charity Water, all he saw um, in the ministry and charity space were charities that were using shame and guilt to manipulate people. So can you speak to that specifically in the ministry space? How can nonprofits apply that idea to their communication and their storytelling strategies, uh, this idea of inspiration over manipulation and, and how to especially intertwine that and craft that within your messaging so that we're not um, guilt marketing. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for bringing this up because it's, 
it's um you know a bit of a, a pet peeve of mine um the i see this far too often so manipulation focuses focuses on the need of the organization and how they need you to fill it and they're going to guilt you into uh you know feeling terrible about uh, about yourself and, and your life and your spiritual health if, if you don't want to help them right and that it you just feel when, when you've encounter messages like this when you read them or hear them or uh, you feel dirty and that is that is not a good feeling um, that in my mind that's not how um, I would want people to feel after being engaged with my organization inspiration on the other hand focuses on the need that is filled by the organization and how they're encouraging your partnership to sustain impact and become a part of the, the solution to be become the change as it were, it's a, it's a um, seemingly minor difference, but it's huge as far as engagement. You can absolutely, you know, guilt, guilt somebody into something. Typically, it's, it's going to be short term. It's going to be more transactional uh, and it's going to be a lesser amount. If you inspire someone to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves and that even though they're not the ones out with the shovel in the field digging the well, that they're actually there and they're part of the solution that's really going to uh, impact the lives of, of many people uh, for years to come. Now you've, you've, you've um, allowed them to see, see beyond maybe their physical parameters and they've seen that um, uh, they can be a part of something much bigger than themselves. You've inspired them. They're more likely to give more money for a longer period of time uh, so long as you keep them engaged, uh, the inspiration piece can't be transactional either, where I've inspired you one time and now I've got you hooked. So uh, catch you later. I'm going to go inspire someone else. Uh, inspiration, um, you know, sort of like a sort of like shower. It's recommended daily. So <laughs> you know, how might organizations initially inspire and then continue to inspire, engage and steward um, you know, their stakeholders through great messaging that is not manipulation, mm -hmm. because nobody wants to feel terrible uh, as they encounter organizations. You know, we see the, the commercials on TV that, that show the, the dying children and, and the um, uh, maimed animals. And personally, that absolutely does not inspire me. It, make, it makes me feel terrible. I, I can't even watch those. Um, I would rather have something that is more positive, uplifting, and inspirational in nature that that shows me how I can be the change. Uh, and then I'm more likely to engage that organization. Right. And I, I think this was a, this back to that guilt marketing approach. I think that mm. it's a historically in the nonprofit and charity space has been a, a thing that for the most part, I see organizations moving away from. Uh, and mm. I talked about this with a filmmaker on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I what she's seeing is a lot of organizations going completely on the other direction where all they're doing isn't, is, uh, focusing on the hope and focusing on the good. And they're, they're not communicating the need. They're not communicating the conflict. They're not communicating some of the harder things that exist within the spaces that these organizations are working. And so, it, <clears throat> although I absolutely agree with what Simon Sinek is saying that the, the most powerful way to influence human behavior is, uh, either 
there are, there are only two ways, manipulation and inspiration, and, and he would encourage and push towards inspiration. I absolutely agree with that. But I think there, there does need to be a balance between the two. Uh, and I, and I would, and I would argue a, a balance that weights heavier towards focusing on the hope, but it's difficult, especially in storytelling to communicate hope without knowing what somebody went through to get to that point. So, uh, um, so we, we need to be communicating the, the conflict in these stories. We need to be communicating the dire need that exists, especially with some of these organizations that are working in, uh, the wa- the clean water space where there's, you know, 640 million people without clean water or something like that in the world or the, the homelessness issues or the, um, sex trafficking, um, problems around the world. I mean, these are, mm-hmm. these are serious issues. This is real evil that exists in the world. And so it- absolutely let's communicate those things, but we, we want to communicate the hope and, and, and show what God is doing and in, inspire through that mm-hmm. and say, Hey, yes, this exists, this problem, this need, this conflict, whatever you want to call it, it exists. It's real in the world, but God has stepped into that and he's uh, not only done something 2000 years ago about it, but he's continuing to work in that space right now. Mm-hmm. And, and here's how he's doing that. And there's amazing stories that are being told all over the world of, of, or that can be told all over the world of what he's doing and how he's actively working. And, and so, uh, we, we push like, let's find the balance between those things. Yes. Right. Wait it a little bit heavier to the hope side because we want to communicate, Hey, this is exciting. This is cool. This is, this is what God's doing. You can be a part of that. You can step into that in partnership, but, um, there needs to be both sides to that story. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I would never say, you know, gloss over the problem. No, uh, what yeah, I see absolutely is that organizations, they, they stop at identifying the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the problem is lack of clean water or, um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with a guy named Manny who started an organization called Samaritan's Feet um, and amazing organization, very positive and uplifting and, and, and future focused. But he absolutely talks about the need for shoes because um, people are dying every day because of foot, footborne illness. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't gloss over that fact, but he says, here's the issue. Here's the solution. Mm-hmm. Or people give to, give to nonprofits, not because they have a need, but because they solve a need. And so right. um, I believe that messaging needs to focus on, okay, so we've identified the problem. Great. Um, it doesn't take special talent in my mind to point out what's wrong. It does take uh, talent or, or calling to begin to carve out, okay, so here's the problem, but here is the solution. From an entrepreneurship standpoint, this is, this is opportunity recognition. This is what separates entrepreneurs from everyday Joes and Jolines. Everybody notices that something's a problem when it's a problem. Mm-hmm. But the entrepreneurs, the innovators, the um, you know the inspirational nonprofit leaders are the ones that say that was a problem. Yes, and here's the solution, and here's our opportunity in the marketplace to go forth and do something about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see in with communication in the nonprofit ministry sector? Um, like if you were to average it all out, all the nonprofit communication you've ever seen and had to and had to make one or two changes across the board, what what would you recommend for organizations? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes down to really, I think, a couple of things. One is verbiage just gets too fluffy and meaningless. Um, it, it's as though someone is playing Scrabble and they need a bunch of high value words. And so there are, you know, um, 10 syllable words and lots of lots of industry jargon and let's sound smart. Um, I personally believe that, that some of the best messaging is, is written on you know, maybe an eighth or 10th grade level, not because we're assuming that people are are not intelligent. That, that's not what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. there, there are plenty of, of intelligent people who may not understand a particular jargon term. And so the, the moment that someone says, I don't get it, th- then they're out. Or if you, if you make somebody feel dumb, they're, they're out, they're done. Uh, and I believe it was Einstein that said that you know, he believed that the true mark of genius was making something simple out of something complex. And so uh, taking a, a complex ministry or, or mission and boiling it down and getting it simple doesn't strip away the impact of it. And it doesn't um, you know, take away the effectiveness of it. In fact, you know, as we're talking about brand champions, and brand advocates, if we can create messaging that is authentic, uh, that is uh, and, and, and effective and, and truly speaks to the heart of what it is that the organization is doing, then others are more likely to be able to share messaging as brand champions and brand advocates, uh, both internal stakeholders and external stakeholders. You know, I think an example of this is ask, ask someone that works for um, you know, a nonprofit or a for-profit entity, tell me, about, tell me your organization's mission and vision statements. Most times they won't be able to recite them. Right. And if they do, it's very mechanical. If you say, okay, that, that's great. You, you regurgitated that to me. What does that mean? Uh, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure. Right. I, I, this is what I run into so often. And so big, fluffy, meaningless verbiage that's crammed full of, you know, these messages are crammed full of jargon. The, the messages don't feel authentic. And they're not crafted in such a way that internal and external stakeholders can latch on and say, I get it and I can share it. Um, those are some of the mistakes that I find when a page long mission statements or mm-hmm. two page mission statements. Why? Um, that, that who's going to be able to communicate that? that? Um, I, I would warrant that the, the person who wrote it won't be able to regurgitate it. So fluffy and too long and non-authentic. That's what I see a lot. So communicating in a way that you're talking to an eighth grader, making sure that everything is clear and simple. And I mean, if I can, if I can glance over this quickly and understand it with a snap of the finger, that's going to be far more effective than if it's perfectly well written with gigantic words that I have to go look up to understand what they mean. That, that's just not going to go well, especially when you're trying to get. No you know, your, your donor base to go advocate on behalf of your brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first time somebody hears your brand message, that's the first time they get to determine whether they want to know more or not. Mm-hmm. Do they like, you or not? Do they believe as you believe, do they get it? Is this something that, uh, is your message or is your mission important to them? Does it strike a chord? If not, or if, if they don't understand it, then by virtue, the answer is no. If I don't understand what you do, then I can't possibly say that I agree with it or I want to engage with it or it's meaningful to me because I don't understand the meaning of it. I don't understand it. However, if if I'm delivered a very clean, clear, and concise message 
that is authentic, that speaks to what it is that you do, why you do it, how you do it, then I can say, hmm, you know what? That's pretty cool. I like that. That, that resonates with me. Uh, in fact, that aligns with my own personal value system or, or you know, the values under which I was brought up or you know, our company's organizational values and our, our, company, our corporate mission aligns with that. So we want to engage in some cause marketing with, you know, with your nonprofit because we believe as you believe and I think that we can be good for one another or, or whatever. So you know, that first reading is, is filter one and someone either gets filtered out or they get filtered in. And so right. clean, clear, concise messaging may allow more people or the, or the right people to get filtered in because now they get it. Mm-hmm. And you, you then have an opportunity to give further explanation and share more and talk at a deeper level about uh, you know, why, how, and what. Well, yeah, and, and communicating in a way that um, you said earlier, not, not being everything to everybody. We're never going to be able to be everything mm-hmm. to everybody. And uh, some people are going to have a heart for water organizations. Some people are going to have a heart for sex trafficking organizations. Some people are going to have a heart for... Uh, discipleship making organizations uh, mm-hmm. like crew or, or intervarsities and, and have a heart for campus focused organizations. So we're not ever going to be able to get everybody on board with what we're doing. And so um, to take that idea of purpose or why driven communication further, how do you encourage and consult organizations on how that purpose driven communication can <clears throat> and should be the driver of your stories? Um, one of my friends, one of the things my, a friend of mine said that will stay with me for the rest of my career. He said, and, and this guy has worked with some of the biggest brands in the world on the commercial side and the, the for-profit mm-hmm. side. He said, your brand stories, uh, carry your brand beliefs. And so if we're, um, if we're not trying to communicate to everybody and we're trying to find donors and supporters that believe the same things that we believe and have a heart for what our organization does, our stories are what can carry and drive what we believe in as a brand to our audience. And so starting our communication with purpose and with why, with clarity and with simplicity are so important because they inform our stories and they carry those brand beliefs and they and they get what we believe is an organization to uh, potential donors and supporters and partners um, who also share the same heart and motivation that we share as an organization with whatever we're we're doing. So, can you speak to that and maybe share your thoughts around that idea of of stories being the catalyst to carry those b- brand beliefs to uh, like minded people who believe the same thing? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, storytelling is an inherently a human activity. Right. Mm-hmm. Every population, every civilization uh, on Earth now and in the past has told stories and continues to tell stories. It, it's something that, you know, is, again, it's inherently human. Um, you know, we tell stories as a means of of both capturing and perpetuating our own history and while also inspiring future generations. It's it's just what we do. And so, um Organizational storytelling really isn't any different. Um, it's designed to, it should be designed to, as a means of, of capturing your history and perpetuating the organization by inspiring future generations of, of future stakeholders. Mm-hmm. From, you know, from the world of sales, uh, there's, a, there's an old saying that uh, stories sell and details tell. 
And if, if we can consider that, um, you know, that we're seeking to quote unquote sell people on, on the idea of what it is we do, why we do it, how we do it uh, in hopes of engaging them, then storytelling, um, it gives deeper meaning and deeper insights into, you know, individual organizational motivations. Uh, storytelling allows us to determine whether we believe as they believe, they being the individual organization that's telling the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this deeper insight, I think, is crucial for uh, relationship-driven engagement, not transactional engagement, if that's even a thing. I mean, I think yes, transactional engagement is a bit of a misnomer because if it's a transaction, it's not an engagement. Right. So <clears throat> really develop deep relationships and engage people. Uh, again, you know, the storytelling—it's human. It's what we do already. So organizations, I think, just need to be need to free themselves to get away from um, overly structured and, and you know, super crisp and you know all this—you uh, know—the the big fluffy verbiage that we talked about before. Just get real and tell your story, uh, and know that there are some people that are absolutely not going to like your story. Okay, great. It's better to find that out now rather than um, hire them. And find that they absolutely are not engaged with what you wish to do or enter into some sort of formal MOU with them where now you have a partnership only to find that you all don't believe as, as one another believes. Mm-hmm. And now there's disaster looming. So, you know, understanding the, the want and need behind storytelling and, and seeing it, um, as I said earlier, as a as both a filter to filter in the right people, the right programs and, and filter out ones who not, not in a judgment case of you're a bad human being or this is a terrible program, but filtering it out because it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit your organization right now. So filtering a focal point for both internal and external external stakeholders, programs, um, both current and future. So having that understanding, I think, um, you know, may help organizations understand uh, some of the reasoning behind storytelling and, and some of the counsel we've already offered today might help with uh, crafting stories. Uh, become being more, um, you know, more real and, and more, um, uh, again, just getting, getting more, uh, more authentic, uh, with the messaging. Yeah. Well, and, and people, I, I see a lot of organizations that are heavy, uh, in their communication, they're heavy data and statistic driven, uh, right. which again, back to the, the balance between need and, and, uh, conflict versus hope uh, i think that mm-hmm. there is a space to be we need to be communicating the data and statistics and sharing our strategies um that needs to be balanced with heavy storytelling so what we're not saying is all you need to be doing is is communicating story because especially when you start talking about major donors they're going to want some of the data and the statistics and especially to see how see your strategies as, as an organization on how you want to execute in solving this problem that you've set out to solve. So there's, there's always a space for communicating that, but, uh, and this is what we teach a lot of times as a potential donor gives you permission to, to mm-hmm. share that information. So, uh, you know, first communication with an, with an organization should not be data statistics strategy heavy driven communication mm-hmm. um, and a, as the user or as the potential donor, as the potential partner gives you permission as an organization to communicate those things, then you can share some of those pieces. But 
being mm-hmm. heavy on the front end story driven and then supporting that story with the data statistics and strategies, I think is, is an encouragement that we kind of push organizations towards. Um, there, there's gotta, just like anything else in life, there's gotta be a balance between mm-hmm. it. Um, organizations can absolutely share, share data and statistics and such as part of their storytelling. Um, as you said, though, I, I'm a firm believer that the story has to be the lead to determine whether this organization uh, has given you permission or wants to, or these, these individuals, whether they want to know more, they want to know the, the details, the data. So what I find also, though, and, and this is some of the some best practice from the world of innovation and entrepreneurship is many times organizations count things that don't truly matter towards the defined success of the organization. Mm. Uh, these are what are called vanity metrics, things that you count that look really good at first, at first glance, but then you dig deeper and you find this really doesn't make any difference at all. You right. know, for example, um, a retail outlet uh, in a strip mall may be counting how many, uh, how many people they have walk in their front door. And they notice a spike one day of a hundred additional people who walk through their front door and they say, well, this is amazing. We're, we're trending up and, and business is good. But when they, they dig a little deeper, they find, well, they were in a strip mall that where the, the public restroom was closed that day, where the, some of their uh, neighboring businesses were also closed or out to lunch and a, a bus full of kids pulled up. They were on a field trip and they, you know, they, they, they needed to use the restroom. So you had, you had an influx of, of 50 kids who had uh, zero um, design on, on browsing your wares or possibly even uh, considering a purchase, but they walked through your door. Right. So, you know, just being very careful about what an organization is measuring, what are their metrics, their success metrics, key performance indicators, however they want to phrase it, um, but, and, and being careful how they share all this data. Mm-hmm. There are people uh, that are referred to as sort of the engineer minds that they need the data. They right. have to have the data, want it, and they thrive on it. That's great. That's not everybody. Um, in addition, as a measure of, of reporting outcomes uh, for grant-funded organizations, there do need to be um, measures in place and metrics communicated. Uh, so there's, there's a time and a place and I think a, an appropriate amount um, of, of data to be shared. Uh, and the story, in, in my mind, as far as considering public-facing uh, messaging, the story is, is what's important. You can tell the story about how you, know, you, you saved this person's soul or you, you impacted their, um, you know, their life in, in such a, or the village's life in such a positive way. And then you can perhaps lead into some statistics about how you've done that or how many times you've done that or how you will do that in the future. Yeah. Well, and always keeping in mind who you're speaking to. Like you said, if you're, if you're going to a meeting where a fundraising meeting and you want to, you know, you're going to be talking with an engineer, your presentation of your organization is going to probably should look different to that engineer than if you're going to someone like me, who's a creative driven, mm-hmm. uh, personality and, and I could care less about the statistics and the data as an or or the only way I'm going to care about those things is if it's supported by in and supporting a story of how your organization is is doing whatever you do. So uh understanding your audience and then crafting um your uh, understanding who you're talking to and then and 
and communicating specifically to that person. And that, and that comes back to like relationship building um, practices within your donor care and donor support and fundraising uh, rather than transactional, like relational would say, Hey, I'm going to get to know this person. I'm going to get to know what uh, inspires them. I'm going to get to know what, uh, and is going to encourage them and then speak to those things rather than having the same um, presentation of your organization to every single person and just hoping that, you know, it, it goes well for everybody and, and being transactional in your approach rather than relational. Indeed. Absolutely. Well, Jeremy, I appreciate this. This has been such a, uh, such a good conversation. I, um, I'm really excited to get this shared to our audience. Um, can I pray for you and Epic Mission real quick? Please. I would love that. Thank you. Father, I just lift up Jeremy and his company, Epic, Mi- Epic Mission. I pray that you would um, guide and lead him as he helps both the for-profit and non-profit spaces. I pray that you would um, give him guidance as he leads organizations well and um, ultimately that the that his the relationships that he builds with clients and organizations and, and business leaders um, would lead to more disciples and more um, impact for your kingdom, Father. We thank you so much for his willingness to uh, say yes to your call in his life and to use his gifts, talents, and abilities for your kingdom, Jesus. We love you and thank you so much for inviting us into this redemption story. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jeremy. Thanks, brother. If people want to get a hold of you and learn more about Epic Mission or, or follow you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, absolutely. So um, you can visit our website at yourepicmission.com, Y O U R E P I C M I S S I O N.com. You can call our 1 800 number, 1 800 507 4048. And you can also follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, and if you can um, um, access, uh, you can find our contact page and, and shoot us emails or, or call us. Uh, our information is listed on the website as well. Perfect. We'd love to have a conversation and see if there's some way that we might serve. Yeah. we. I, based on what we've seen with you and, and our relationship and shared relationship with Emily, you guys are doing some really cool work in the space. So thank you for everything you guys are doing. Yeah, appreciate it. Just trying to... Um, you know, stay humble and, and do what I'm called to do. And as we know, as human beings, that's sometimes we, <laughs> our, our biggest obstacles ourselves, we get in our own way. So I, I appreciate the prayers and, and um, you know, the ongoing support very much. And you know, I look forward to seeing how we might play together in the future. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the show and uh, we will pray for you guys and wish you guys the best. Fantastic. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process check out Reliant Creative at ReliantCreative.org. See you next time.